Hello and welcome to the British Chambers podcast channel. We're delighted to bring you a second season of in-depth discussions and conversations with our members and high-profile speakers, ranging from topics like trade, fintech, arts, sports, and more within Singapore, ASEAN, and the UK. Thank you for your support, and we hope you enjoy today's podcast. With 10 categories, 10 winners, and one big night of celebrating the best of business excellence, entries are now open for the British Chamber's 22nd Annual Business Awards. As Singapore's longest running awards by an international chamber, categories range from Employer of the Year, Diversity and Inclusion Champion of the Year, Sustainability Champion of the Year, through to UK Exporter of the Year and more. For all the details and how to submit your entries, visit www.britcham.org.sg. Welcome to today's special episode of the BritJam Singapore podcast, featuring our Future of Work agenda. My name is Lucy Hayden and I'm the Deputy Executive Director. I'm delighted to be joined today by Sheila Paracle, who has been the Chief Human Resources Officer at Prudential Singapore since 2015. Sheila leads Prudential's People Strategy and holds an MBA in Banking and Finance from NTU. In recognition of her progressive workforce vision, she was named as the best HR leader at the HR Fest Awards back in 2019. In today's conversation, we'll be covering Prudential's ongoing workforce and workplace journey, including their industry-first retirement and CPF policies, how they've been supporting their employees through the pandemic, and how your business can utilise relevant government programmes to transform the skills within your own workforce. Welcome, Sheila. Hi, Lucy. How are you? And thank you for that lovely introduction. Oh, you're so welcome. So let's start with our overall theme today. Prudential Singapore has been supporting our future of work activities for the past three years now. What makes this topic so important to the business? Well, um, I, I, I think future of work by just, just its sheer title in itself, it's a little bit of crystal ball gazing, right? And really looking into um, the future of businesses and what businesses then need in so far as um, you know, the the people people uh, construct to be able to deliver on ambitions and strategy and priorities, etc. And and uh, we we've been supporting this for a while simply because I think it's it was a very fundamental question that we asked ourselves as well as we were trying to I guess crystal ball gaze into the future as we started a journey of defining who we are as an organization. And, and more importantly, who we are in the context of our customers, our distributors, et cetera. So when you look at future of work, it, it, it sounds pretty big, but how we chose to look at it was through several lenses, obviously. Um, to be the best uh, insurer uh, and in the lives of everyone in Singapore, um, we realized very early on that a large part of that success narrative was the experiences that we would have internally as well, right? We always talk about not just happy people, happy customers, but people who truly understand customers must surely come from uh, different backgrounds, different experiences, different demographics, individuals who can provide perspectives from uh, you know, different age group segments, gender, etc. 
So, so for us, the future of work was uh, very early on defined as that diversity of experiences, diversity of thinking, um, diversity of, uh, you know, you name it, we, we said that diversity was going to be so important for us to be relevant going forward. Now, while all of that is great, I think uh, a large part of our acknowledgement and recognition early on was also around how do we, how do we get our leadership, uh, our leaders right at the top to be able to not just solve today's problems, because you know, ultimately a lot of organizations are really about profitability results, et cetera, on a, on a you know, fast-paced, short-term view perspective. But how do we get our leaders to, to look beyond and really think about the investments that we would need to make uh, uh, today for pretty much down the road, basically. So, so having the right leaders, um, leaders who, who not just have the vision, but also have the, um, the appetite to stay the course. Uh, leaders who uh, generally demonstrate the, uh, the right attributes, the right values to be at the helm of the organization, uh, to steer the tone from the top and, and really to be able to speak to the future of work as, as a goal that's worthy for, for everyone to aim towards, right? And, and for us, future of work was also about how the very word work, Right, and you know we have a 90-year legacy in Singapore, and uh, over 170 years globally. And work surely just keeps changing, evolving, and 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 we were at at a crossroad then as to who we are as an insurance company. How do we interact with our customers? Just because we did something in a certain way yesterday does not mean that it's going to stay the course. For, for the foreseeable future. And, and in, in all of that, how do we capitalize on technology? How do we bring um, technology, not, not as something disparate and separate, but an integral part of uh, fulfilling the work and, and being able to deliver on ambition. So really this whole, whole piece around uh, becoming more digital um, and, and really being on that um, forefront of what technology could do for us uh, kind of paid off when the pandemic landed on all of us last year as well, because it kind of placed us in a position of, I would like to think um, strength because it allowed us to respond um, quite, quite promptly in terms of not uh, how we worked as an organization, but more importantly, also enabling our distributors who are a very critical part of our ecosystem in meeting our customer needs as well. So, so I, I'd say those, those, those would be the, the, the three key things that I'd speak to, to your question. Yeah, I mean, it really seems to be a journey where you've brought everyone along with you. Um, you say all levels of the organization and the senior management, it's certainly from the outside looking in, it's, it's been fascinating to watch. It's really good. So moving on to workspaces, what do you think the workplace of the future will look like? So if you asked me this question in 2017, when we first moved into our office, I said, this is the future. Different right? answer. And, and, you know, very proud of, of where, um, where we were at that stage in terms of looking at workspaces as being absolutely critical in encouraging 
uh, how people work and interact with each other, and more importantly, ideate and innovate to bring the best of solutions. So, um, so I believe Lucy, you've been to our office. It's it's yes. it's a space where most people, when they walk in, and they say, oh, "This is not an insurance company." So, <laughs> we took great pleasure in breaking stereotypes then, because it was really just not about um, our people being boxed up and doing what they do best from a functional perspective, but really get them out of, of the box space into collaborative workspaces, spaces where, you know, we we essentially interact with each other as human beings. Mm -hmm. And secondly, leveraging the strengths that each of us bring onto the table to, to get the right solutions for our customers. So, and, and, and the best part of the whole entire workspace is that it's about treating everyone equally and uh, you know, allowing people to make new friends on a regular basis because you know, with a hot housing concept, et cetera, um, you don't have anything to call your own except a, a, a cubbyhole. That's it, pretty much your locker. Yeah. And, um, I must say it, it's actually encouraged a lot of uh, um, clutter-free behaviors from our people as well. <laughs> and really allowing you to come into work uh, every day with brand new perspectives because you don't have a whole pile sitting on top of your table reminding you of yesterday as well. So so with that in mind, your question was, what is it going to look like going forward? What's yeah. What's next, right? Now, so with the pandemic and, and, and clearly with a significant part of our workforce operating from home, uh, not just for safety reasons, but also it's it's... It's actually shown up to be very productive for people to work from home as well. We've been asking ourselves about what do we do with this lovely workspace, right? And how do we how do we almost use it as a magnet to get people to come back when they're mm. comfortable to be able to connect and engage with each other? Something which um, I'm not. I don't know about you, Lucy, but personally, I've missed that in the last year because yeah. when you physically connecting with people, the energy that you draw is, mm -hmm. is, is it gives you the, the bit of the adrenaline rush, right? To find out the right the ideas, the brainstorming. Yeah. Absolutely. So so we already have a lot happening around here which encourages the collective, the team. And I guess the question for us is how do we uh, have more of those spaces versus let's say the typical workstation? But there's this added dimension about how do we use the workspace to be something that people want to connect with as well. Now, I don't have the answer yet because that, that's so critical to actually maintain that connection and connectivity. Uh, we've done very well in the virtual world, but if you now speak about the physical workspace, then, then what do we get people to, uh, how do we get people to want to come into work? Now, the, the bigger challenge though is what is the physical workspace? And, and is it really the, um, you know, the office or is this type of a virtual interaction one which is, which is also going to be part of the future, right? Yes. And there's a fair amount of work that we're doing around what we call the hybrid 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 workplace, mm -hmm. and how do we now um, accept that as a way of going forward, and and how do we enable everything 
that that needs to happen for for people to coexist in harmony regardless of physical location as well yeah it's definitely going to be an interesting uh, interesting future journey to see how that works and certainly from the prudential perspective having this big collaborative workspace and and what that's going to look like 12 months from now you know, we'll have to revisit this and see whether it's it's what you expected <laughs> let's mark it on the calendar yes. <laughs> Uh, so the company made a public announcement to allow employees to work beyond the retirement age cap. Can you tell us about the, the reasoning behind this change, how it's benefited employees and what you've seen as the impact so far? It's really interesting. So this was back in uh, 2018 mm. when we, um, we commissioned a thought leadership piece around longevity. And uh, uh, a, a large part of that interest stemmed from a... Uh, uh, our belief and, and our, our purpose about wanting to help people get the most out of life. And um, it was with a view that how do we help if we could as a good corporate citizen to, to be able to um, enable citizens of Singapore to achieve whatever their aspirations are. Very interesting study and, and particularly pertinent to, to Singaporeans uh, because, you know, we, we have the longest life expectancy worldwide, yeah. right? In excess of 84 years. And, um, and interestingly, at that stage, um, uh, the, the retirement age that we practiced internally was uh, in line with the, the government guidelines uh, in terms of 62 um, with an option for, you know, extension of employment for another five years, etc. Now, one of the other things that, that the, um, the thought leadership piece also brought to our attention is that people were living longer, but they were not necessarily living a quality life. Uh, and one of, that, one, one of the findings was that there was, there was, significant concern among citizens that if I were to live to 84 years, number one, am I going to be physically fit? Number two, am I going to have friends to uh, hang around with at that stage? And number three, uh, would I have the financial means to live that long? And these were all very real concerns that, um, you know, was uh, was echoed repeatedly through the respondents. Mm. A quality of life, yeah. Period, right. So one of the things that we, we then asked ourselves was, is there anything that we could do um, as a responsible corporate? And, and it, it became very apparent to us that many of our colleagues, our senior colleagues who uh, in their 50s, 60s, etc., wonderful role models, uh, richness of experience, richness of knowledge, why were they leaving in their 60s? And if, if they could, they were, number one, able and willing, and number two, they, they, they were performing really well, and they, they, we could help them then achieve, you know, that, that social and financial uh, security, et cetera. So why not? So we then, that's why we decided that we would remove the retirement age for our employees Mm -hmm. um, and our policies and everything was changed. So, um, and, and, and the following year in 2019, we also um, removed the, uh, the, the cap yeah. for our contributions to the Central Provident Fund for our employees above 55. 
Mm-hmm. Again, with the same philosophy, age doesn't really matter. If I'm doing a job that is similar to a, a colleague of mine who is happens to be slightly younger than me, but we're doing exactly the same thing, um, you know, we, we should be recognized and remunerated accordingly as well. So, um, of course, um, we, we got asked by many at that, that stage, do you have a huge problem? Do you have a problem in terms of numbers of employees who are at the brink of retirement, etc.? But conversely, the, we have a very young population, right? Our average age is in our early 30s, etc. But that did not stop us from asking pertinent questions around what we could do to challenge thinking around future work arrangements and constructs. And what does this Yeah, 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 and and absolutely breaking those traditional uh, thinking around, you know, you study, you work, you retire. And you know, that that linear way of looking Mm -hmm. at life. Um, So that in a way was our part of also practicing uh, what, what we want to preach i.e. That, that any employee can choose to, con- be con- you know, to contribute effectively in whatever role that they choose and as long as they continue to perform. And we have a responsibility as a, as a corporate to enable that, basically. That's fantastic. And it's been well received. Um, have you got people who are choosing to do that or? Yes. So um, I, I, I think it's it's uh, good news all around. So by that I mean uh, for for the for our employees who are above sixty two, having the choice to stay mm-hmm. on and work. I, I think the um, I, I can't attach a dollar value to that because um, there are those who have chosen to retire, but with full knowledge that it's their choice. It's not because yeah. I have. Right? Yeah, they they so, were able to take control. Yes, exactly. So for from their perspective, that the choice is mine. And it's really for me to decide what how I want to spend the next decade or 20, 30 years of my life, basically. Um, for the rest of the employees to be able to work with um, our senior workers has also been phenomenal because Remember, I started off by saying that the future of workforce is also about diversity of thinking and experiences and perspectives. An ability to work and interact with individuals who, you know, give you give you a perspective you never think about has been a tremendous learning opportunity. And the mentorship is, and just the whole interaction piece has been tremendous. Um, do we do, do we expect that you know? Um, more people will choose to stay on beyond 62. Um, I'd like to think that they will simply because, um, you know, there's never a dull day at Prudential. And in terms of as long as you want to be an active contributor, um, there's there's always a place for you. And I think more importantly for us, the the benefits, uh, the intangibles are tremendous. Yeah, I mean, that's a very welcoming philosophy to have, I think, and certainly that diversity of thinking and and the mentorship in both directions um, for the different kinds of employees. Fantastic. Uh, So, of course, the pandemic has dramatically pushed forward the flexible working agenda. So how has Prudential been supporting employees and have there been any permanent changes um, that have been made to policies and processes as a result of that? So, um, I I mean... (laughs) 
I think the pandemic landed on all of us, right? And and I think there's uh, again with uh, on reflection, uh, there are many things that we had started doing ahead of the pandemic, which I still say kind of helped us respond to the pandemic a lot better than uh, we would have been able to. So, for example. Uh, for a while now, we've been speaking about working from home. So working from home is not a new concept for anyone who works in Prudential because uh, from 2017 onwards, a, a, a significant part of our focus was not about being present, but about you know having outcomes and achieving outcomes for yourself and for the organization. Uh, so with very little emphasis on you know taking your attendance, uh, but but really just being able to work from anywhere and recognizing that you know people have lives outside work and so sometimes you've got to deal with personal matters before you can dedicate yourself a hundred percent to work. So so to that extent, that policy, if anything, came to immediate life when when uh, circuit breaker was uh, announced in Singapore, etc. Now, it, this was just not about making sure that people could work from home, but ensuring that people were enabled to work from home as well. So anything to do with our laptops, our access to our systems, etc. Again, all of that happened seamlessly because again, we've been talking about working from home for a while. Um, one of the things that um, you know was challenging for our people was really how do you set up office at home? And again, I say that I, I don't think we're unique in that challenge. Um, so what we did was um, you know kind of helping our staff um, at least deal with their immediate needs. So we we actually loaned our, our monitors. We got people to if you need an office chair, come and get an office chair because you know it was just going to sit idle in the office, right? So so we 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 did all of that to in terms of uh, supporting the setup for for our people um, during the pandemic. Um, and and I, I one of the things that um, we've noticed through the pandemic is is our people have been working really, really long hours because, you know, again, people don't quite, uh, it is challenging. And I speak from of this from a personal lens, right? I mean, when you come to the office, there's enough time for you to get off your office suit and get ready for home. But when your office and home are just literally just a door away, um, it, it, I experience challenges in terms of drawing the boundaries, etc. From a work practices perspective, um, we've seen we've seen some very interesting. Um, you know, I, I must say, our leaders, our managers have been very resourceful in terms of how they engage and stay connected with their people, etc. But one of the things that um, really worked through this period was uh, actually a pilot that we started off. Uh, I, I call it a pilot because there's much to be learned, but. Um, we piloted the four-day work week with uh, with uh, starting with my team essentially as a first, um, and it's kind of caught on uh, this year in close to. I would say as we speak, we have close to about twelve percent of our organi organization that's experimenting with a mm. four-day work, just simply because psychologically, when you switch the the number of working days. Um, it allows people in the first instance to have a, a longer period to switch off 
re, re, rebase and restart the week again. So while well-being was one of the thinking, um, what we have discovered is it's actually also upped the productivity game in, in the teams, just simply because of how you best use your, your work hours in a week. Um, but there's still a lot of things to be ironed out as, as we look at this. So um, to, as to whether that's quite policy yet, the answer is no. But I think there is a lot of uh, opportunities that the pandemic has given us to try and really examine back to your topic on future of work. What is work and how yeah. do we work? Basically? Yeah, that's fantastic. Great. Thank you. Um, so last year we worked together on a fair manpower practices video, um, which we will link in the, the show notes for the listeners today. You shared how the company works within the framework of programs provided by the Ministry of Manpower and other agencies to transform the skills within your workforce. So what recommendations would you make to our members who range all the way from startups and small businesses up to MMCs to leverage on these kind of programs? So, um, so a large part of our future of work narrative is around the capabilities that are required for the jobs of the future. So, so while the jobs of the future, uh, I, I guess um, there's, there's a good estimate in some industries and some sectors about what that looks like. And, and specifically in the financial services sector, there's been extensive work to, to address what some of these uh, uh, roles, but more importantly, capabilities that would be needed in the future, um, which kind of defines and guides us in terms of what do we do next with our existing workforce, et cetera. Uh, but I, I would say that whatever the industry that you are in, I think there's a couple of questions that we, we need to ask ourselves in terms of um, number one, uh, being honest and real as to where we are as an organization today. That includes the full repository of our capabilities. Uh, we do need to do some crystal ball gazing, and, and I, I mean more than 12 months, at least three to five years, if where possible, to try and challenge ourselves in terms of what's going to change. Yeah. And 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 then being able to you know chart that path between today and your best estimate of the future to then be able to say, okay, these are the capabilities, these are the sorts of people I need. Now, the, the wonderful part of being in Singapore is you are going to be spoiled for choices in terms of what, uh, where do you go and find the appropriate support to build those capabilities. And we've seen industry-specific initiatives that are very strongly endorsed and adopted. Uh, we've, we've looked at it more from a generic skill sets, you know, like skills future in terms of what does, what, what are the skills that you and I are going to need uh, in the future, et cetera. So there's, there, the resources are in abundance. We just need to contextualize those resources to what we need in the future. So I, I, I think so it, it has to happen in tandem the clarity on where we're going to head, but more importantly, how do you then import the relevant uh, capabilities or skills that you are going to need? And I mean, I, I think it's amazing what's out there and it's really up to us then to, to form that, that uh, uh, I would say the connection in terms of what we need and what's out there. I, I mean, I think it's quite important for businesses to be clear where we're headed 
your hidden and and then be able to to bring in the right um, uh, resources to be able to match the needs of the organization uh, but but a big part of this entire move is only possible if if there's an ongoing um, effort or i would say um, emphasis on getting our employees to feel like they're in the driver's seat and while we 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 sit together and speak about the future of work and what that looks like you've got to invite the employee into the workspace and you've got to you, you almost have to tease them in to come in and say well, just be curious to start off with and create a level of awareness on what potentially the future could look like but what i mean by the driver's seat is how do we support our employees to be able to not just access what you think they need but really also curate the journey that they are going to take in terms of uh, you know finding their role in in, in the future organization or the capabilities that they would like to get better at so that they can be the next successful leader etc so so this narrative is going to be really important for organizations uh, to focus on and in fact i'd say it's probably huge to 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 emphasize that fantastic what a great piece to to end on the thought of people having to obviously come with you on that journey and that it's all ultimately for them um thank you so much for your time today it's always a pleasure to hear your perspectives and i hope you enjoyed the conversation too Thank you for listening to our podcast and we hope you enjoyed today's episode. As always, don't forget to subscribe and rate our channel on Spotify, Apple, Google and all other podcast platforms. For more information about the Chamber, please visit www.britcham.org.sg.